This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03, Wednesday afternoon, August 2nd. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. I'm Rob Hart. As you think about retirement, there are varying takes on what it takes to make it happen. We'll help figure that out in our next segment. But right now, the report on jobs in the private sector is out as the government gets a financial downgrade. Joining us on the Village of Bedford Park business line, reminding you to bring your business home, is Gus Fauché, Chief Economist, PNC financial services based in pittsburgh gus thanks for joining us today how does this downgrade from fitch from triple a to double a plus how does this compare to the previous credit rating downgrade during a long ago debt ceiling fight in the summer of 2011 yeah this is a similar kind of thing where we've seen congress uh, having difficulty in raising the debt limit a fight between congress and the administration that had minimal economic impact in 2011 i think it's going to have even less impact now uh, because we've been through one downgrade it really didn't affect things at all and markets have learned from that and then in the case of the 2011 downgrade was it all of the credit agencies did they downgrade u.s debt or was it just one agency at a time it was just Standard & Poor's that downgraded the debt. So, um, you know, and again, this time it's just one agency, Fish, Fitch, that's downgrading the debt. Uh, so, um, you know, I think that uh, the rating agencies aren't telling us anything more than we can read in the newspaper every day. Uh, so I think that investors have already priced in the fight that we had over the debt limit earlier this year, the information about debt levels and so forth. So I really don't see this as having much effect at all. Now let's turn to uh, jobs. The uh, private payrolls number from ADP is out 324,000 jobs in July. That is above the Dow Jones estimate of 175,000. Obviously, the ADP number and the Department of Labor number uh, disagree frequently. Uh, But what does this say about the uh, health of the job market? Uh, It tells us that the job market is continuing to do quite well. Uh, You know, we're near a a record low unemployment rate. We're adding jobs at a healthy pace. And in fact, from the Federal Reserve's perspective, uh, job growth is a bit too strong for them. But what this does mean is that with more jobs and higher wages, the consumers will spend in the near term. And that means we should be able to avoid a recession at least uh, until late this year, early 2024. And it seems, at least as far as ADP is concerned, that uh, the services sector is uh, carrying the weight. 
Um, that's right, and, and that's not terribly surprising. Goods industries, manufacturing, construction tend to be heavily tied to what's going on with interest rates. So Federal Reserve rate hikes are weighing on the goods sector, not so much on the services sector. And, you know, we have seen job growth rotate towards services as consumers are buying more services over the past year and a half or so, and that trend will remain in place through the rest of this year. And there's some robust wage growth in the ADP report, noting that wages increased by about 6.2 percent from a year ago. Uh, What does that mean as far as the fight against inflation is concerned? Uh, That means that the Fed may have more work to do. The Fed is concerned that wage growth is too strong, that it isn't consistent with that Fed 2% inflation objective. Uh, And we'll see when we get the the, uh, official Bureau of Labor Statistics job report on Friday. Uh, But I think the Fed would like to see weaker wage growth from a bit more slack in the labor market. Gus Fauché, Chief Economist, PNC Financial Services, based in Pittsburgh. Thank you for joining us this afternoon. Coming up, calculating how much you need to retire. It's Personal Finance Wednesday, and in this segment, we're examining the finances of retirement and what it takes to put yourself in position to stop working. Let's get some help from Ed Jertsen, Certified Financial Planner, founder of the Engage Wealth Group in Chicago. Find him online, engagewealthgroup.com. Ed, thank you for joining us today. The number that's batted around is $1.8 million. That is the size of the nest egg that you need to retire comfortably. Where did people find that number? Rob, Schwab just recently did a survey with 401k workers, and the workers were thinking about $1.8 million is what we needed to have a, a secure retirement. And, and then you have a popular money celebrity who said not only $1.8 million, but $5 million would be needed. And and those numbers to me are just not relevant to the general population. And so these numbers can often be discouraging. So again, when it comes to a number, it is very important to realize this is your number and how you live in your lifestyle. So I don't want any of your listeners to be discouraged when they hear these large numbers. And and 1.8 million, I mean, that's a tall order for a lot of people, even if they do uh, have goals to save for retirement and meet them every month. Uh, Is there a figure below that that may be a little more attainable that can still give you the retirement that you want? Yeah, first and foremost, nothing is more discouraging than when you're climbing up this financial mountain only to hear that you're nowhere near close to the summit. So again, people may just give up instead of continuing their journey. So, you know, you've heard me say time and time again, there's a rule of thumb, which means that, you know, your last, you know, five years of salary, right? That should be, you should be saving about 10 times those last kind of five years of salary. So for instance, if you're making 80,000 a year, your goal is to to basically kind of come up with, you know, uh, $800,000 by the end of this journey. So again, remember, it's your spending, what you're spending, what your overhead is, what your day-to-day expenses, your fixed expenses. That is what ultimately is driving the number. The higher your fixed expenses, the higher the amount of money you're going to need to have financial security in retirement. Now, everyone's uh, retirement dreams are different, but uh, just based on your experience as a certified financial planner, what is the ballpark for a quote-unquote comfortable retirement? Rob, it all depends on where you're living. As I tell people, if you're going to be living in and around Chicago and Cook County, right, that's a higher level of expense, right? That's a higher level. Taxes, property taxes, uh, sales taxes, all of that, 
vis-a-vis that of, let's say, different states like Arizona or Florida or Nevada, where just the cost of living is so much lower. And that's why, you know, we do financial planning for individuals. We just don't do this guidance. And so we want to really understand, or your listeners need to understand, what does that future look like? And then do some due diligence on what the cost of living is in that protected area. Because I tell clients, anyone can retire. It's just a matter of where you want to retire. And that's important consideration. Again, understand where your goals are at, understand where you're going or potentially going, and then kind of work backwards in terms of what that lifestyle would be needed or how that would be funded. And then uh, in, in, in terms of reaching some sort of magic number, not the $1.8 billion or $1.8 million, excuse me, if you had $1.8 billion to retire, you could retire tomorrow. Um, but uh, $1.8 million or $5 million, those numbers that have been bandied about, um, you, you do the retirement savings. You know, how many, in general, how many workers uh, rely on the proceeds from the sale of a house to round out that retirement figure? Yeah, great point, Rob, but it's really important to remember, I've been doing this for 30 years, and early in my career, we had the buy-down effect, where you were selling your primary residence, and then you bought down, capturing that difference. I can tell you through experience, that gap has narrowed dramatically. So the use of your primary residence, unless you're really, really buying down, uh, generally is not that, that big of a difference as it used to be. The other side, really quick, Rob, is Social Security. I'm just telling your listeners, please do not rely on Social Security as your private pension. That's where retirement savings can augment 401ks, IRAs, or Roth IRAs. Please be diligent in filling up all these different buckets. So again, you're on this plan, you're on this journey, seek out the guidance of a certified financial planner to help you on that path, to put you on the best foot forward in terms of retirement and security. Ed Jertsen, Certified Financial Planner and founder of the Engage Wealth Group in Chicago. Find him online, engagewealthgroup.com. Thanks for joining us today. Coming up next, a look at the longer-term impact of the actors and writers' strikes. Because money matters. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Hollywood producers are calling on the writers' union to return to the bargaining table on Friday in an effort to end a nearly 100-day strike. Actors continue their walkout. Let's discuss what the dual work actions mean for the Hollywood pipe line with Paul Daguerre-Bedian, senior media analyst for the box office tracking company Comscore based in Los Angeles. Paul, thank you for joining us today. Uh, let's talk about the impact on the movie theater industry, which, uh, thanks to Barbenheimer, appears to be turning the corner after three long years. Uh, when does the supply of movies run out? Well, you know, this is a huge question and looms large over the industry. And clearly, there are a lot of movies that are produced that are in the can, so to speak, and that are going to be released from now until the end of the year. And in fact, August is loaded with big, uh, high-profile movies like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that actually opens today, The Meg 2, Last Voyage of the Demeter, Strays, Blue Beetle, The Equalizer 3, The Nun 2, and on and on into September. And right now, we have enough production supply. But that will run out. I mean, movies don't write themselves and they don't act themselves. So we have to hope that this situation can be resolved because it's definitely going to impact the production pipeline. The longer this goes on, the more profoundly impactful 
this is going to be on the industry. We're talking to Paul DeGarabiti, and obviously uh, movie theaters are and movie theater owners are uh, biting their fingernails thinking about uh, what a protracted strike would mean for them. But unlike the 2008 and 2007 writer's strike, uh, we've gone from a situation of scarcity to one of abundance. And that is if uh, TV shows, first-run shows, are idle, the public now just has the opportunity to spend months and months and months catching up on their shows. I know it's very interesting because we all love the new content, and that's why we need writers and actors uh, to create that new content or those new shows and movies and all that. But now, over time, and look, we all do a lot of binge watching. I've been on a Sopranos kick again <laughs> for the umpteenth time in my life watching that, and there's so much great content archival older shows and that we know and love and that are great but the industry really runs on the new movies and new tv shows so and and like you mentioned right now theaters are doing great but of course there's this headwind of the strikes and again the longer it goes on the tougher it is we had a great july at the domestic box office the second biggest july ever and bigger than 2019, bigger than the pre-pandemic year with Barbenheimer, as you mentioned. Barbenheimer is really important because it points out how the industry, when it's running on all or firing on all cylinders, can create this outpouring of interest, great movies. But that's all a result of everything working in sync, production, uh, the, the marketing, the production pipeline, all of that feeds into that. And when that's not working together, then that, that will be a problem for the long term. Hopefully it gets resolved. I keep saying sooner than later, because otherwise it becomes much more uh, profound and, and the implications are pretty uh, dire if this continues. Paul DeGarabedian, Senior Media Analyst for the box office tracking company Comscore based in Los Angeles. Thank you for joining us today. Still ahead on this Personal Finance Wednesday, why it's a good idea to automate your savings. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Thanks. This is Chicago's News Traffic and Weather Station, News Radio 105.9. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon, I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. Former President Trump faces indictment for trying to overturn his election defeat in 2020. A tenth lawsuit has been filed in the Northwestern University hazing scandal. It's Personal Finance Wednesday, a strategy that will simplify filling up your investment and savings buckets. And the latest advances in breast cancer detection involve artificial intelligence. WBBM Business, the markets are lower. The Dow is down 240 points. The NASDAQ is down 303. And the S&P 500 is down 52. 81 degrees right now in Chicago under mostly sunny skies, going up to 88 today. At 1231, topping our news at the half hour, there's been an unprecedented third indictment of former President Trump. He's formally accused of conspiring to try to overturn the 2020 election. CBS News legal analyst Ricky Kleeman weighs in. I think what stands out is that although the indictment is long, when you actually read it, it is narrowly tailored to fit these 
crimes. The other federal case involves the handling of classified documents. A tenth lawsuit filed against Northwestern University alleges racist actions, along with claims of hazing and sexual abuse. Ramon Diaz played football at the school from 2005 through 2008. He says that at one point he tried to kill himself because of the racism and bigotry he endured. Diaz notes he was often singled out because the, he was the only uh, Latino offensive lineman on the team at the time. It's 12.32 as the noon business hour continues. Markets are lower today. Joining us now on the Village of Bedford Park business line, reminding you to bring your business home, is Michael Palumbo, founder of MJP Capital and author of the book Calculated Risk, based in Chicago. Mike, thank you for joining us today. Uh, markets are down today. Is this entirely because of the Fitch credit rating downgrade? Well, no. I, you know, I think, first of all, Fitch downgrading, it, it's kind of, it's pretty funny. Uh, here's a company that completely whiffed on the financial crisis that they had uh, bonds, uh, mortgage-backed bonds rated AAA that were basically almost worthless. And then they come out and downgrade the United States debt, a sovereign nation that can print their own currency and can basically pay any debts that they want because they can print their print money to pay them off. So I just find it pretty funny that, that Fitch has the guts to come out and do that after after missing everything that they should have seen right in front of their face. But, you know, that's definitely causing some of the sell-off. We had an ADP report that was hot uh, for jobs, and, and that's also, you know, causing some issues just because bonds are selling off. Yields are high higher. Uh, the 30 years now, what, 4.16%. That's the highest it's been in a year. So this is a situation where some of the good news is actually the market is, is causing it to be bad news because we're worried about the, the economy actually getting too hot. So between the Fitch downgrade, ADP report, we've had a bunch of earnings that were actually okay, but just uh, the bond market is, is getting a little shaky, and that's that's what is causing uh, the sell-off. I mean, keep in mind, we're – we're over 4,500 in the S&P. We're near highs on the year. Um, S&P's up 20%. So investors are just looking for any reason to sell at this point, and, and they got some today with the Fitch downgrade and also the ADP report. We're talking to Michael Palumbo. Uh, very quickly, I think this is just for people who uh, who are listening and may not know uh, the ins and outs of the bond market. You hear people talk about uh, bond yields are here and they're going here, and that's a sign of trouble. Uh, but generally, uh, when we talk about uh, bond yields going up, uh, short-term, long-term treasuries, what does that mean? Well, it's usually a sign of a healthy economy unless they get too high, and then it's a sign of some inflation as well. So we got a little bit of both. So as as the 30-year ticks up, you know, like I said, well over 4%, there is starting to be a little bit of fear that that the inflation that we've had is going to remain longer than people expect, that the Fed might actually continue to raise rates, which I don't think is going to happen. So bond yields are a measure of both the health of the economy in a good way and then also inflation, which which is uh, possibly a bad thing for consumers. So it's a little bit of both. What is going to happen, let's say, if uh, the jobs report comes out Friday morning, 730, and it is below analysts? expectations is there a reset 
Yeah, well, that, that'll that be a data point that, that finally says, hey, maybe things aren't as hot as, as people think. And I think the mar- that will that will cause a market rally, ironically, in a bad jobs report, just because the, the market's looking for something that shows that we're not overheating. And it hasn't been getting it. Earnings have been good. Uh, and, and this ADP report has people scared. And usually the ADP report is a good indication of what we're going to get uh, on the jobs report. So we probably will not be under expectations. But, yeah, if, if we do get that, you'll see bond yields come back down a little bit. The market will have a sigh of relief and probably a little bit of a relief rally after that. Michael Palumbo, founder of MJP Capital, author of the book Calculated Risk, based in Chicago. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next in Personal Finance Wednesday, using automatic deposits to help build wealth and savings. Your best stock option. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's Personal Finance Wednesday, and there are ways to make sure that you're building your savings and investment accounts. Let's tap the expertise of Elizabeth Buffardi, founder of Crescendo Financial Planners and Coaches of the Personal Financial Planning Forum for the Illinois CPA Society based in Oakbrook. Elizabeth, thank you for joining us today. And automating your deductions into various savings accounts shouldn't be that exotic of a practice for most people. No, it shouldn't. It's actually quite easy. A lot of times you can put your savings into, like have it taken directly off of your paycheck. So Normally, you, most people have direct deposit, and you're able to di- direct where that money goes. So a lot of times, people put it into their checking account, but you can also direct a portion of it into a savings account as well. And th- and this is above and beyond the uh, the, the retirement account deduction uh, that is taken out of your paycheck if you elect to do that. Yes. Now, yeah. at the same, I think also for the same time, like even if uh, above and beyond your paycheck, uh, a lot of parents who uh, have their children enrolled in uh, various uh, college savings plans uh, see those uh, deductions uh, from their bank accounts on the first of every month. So there, there are things you can do outside of just uh, uh, deducting something off of your paycheck. Sure. That, uh, doing that 529 deduction is one of the easiest things because it's kind of a set it and forget it. And once you once you get used to the, that money leaving your account automatically, it's almost like you forget about it most of the time. And kind of the same thing with it going from your paycheck into a savings account. But you can also do the same thing with a brokerage account as well, where the brokerage account will pull in that money the way the 529 plan does. So that way you accumulate money in a brokerage account as well. We're talking to Elizabeth Buffardi, founder of Crescendo Financial Planners in Oakbrook. That set it and forget it notion of uh, automating your savings plans. What are some of the advantages there? Uh, starting off with the fact that uh, it kind of resets your spending. It does. It's a great way. A lot of times, it's a great way to do it. A lot of times, when you uh, have that money, when you look in your checking account and you say, "Oh, I only have five hundred dollars to spend," or whatever the number is then you're able to go through and say, okay, well, what am I going to spend it on? But if all of your savings has already been taken out and then you, you look and say, oh, I can only spend this amount, then it's, it's, uh, it's great because the fact is that you've already, you've already paid yourself first. You've already saved that money. And so it, it forces you to actually kind of spend a little bit less. 
And you mentioned uh, brokerage accounts, but you could probably set up uh, automatic deductions uh, above and beyond your retirement savings accounts or your college uh, savings funds for your kids. Uh, if you just want to have kind of a, 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 a mutual fund that you could tap for uh, various household expenses, that's something you could set aside automatically. Yes. If you're going to use it for household expenses, you might want to put it rather into a savings account as opposed to a mutual fund. Because I look at mutual funds as being a more of a long-term investment type of thing. Um, but if you, but for all that long-term stuff, definitely putting it into a mutual fund or a brokerage account is a great idea. And then above and beyond the, uh, the, the, the tax advantages that come with saving for college or saving for retirement, uh, are there some other tax savings that you could realize uh, just by automating your own saving? Yes. So if you get... For people that earn, um, I forget what the number is, but it's in the neighborhood of like thirty-six to forty thousand dollars a year. There is a savers credit, so if you save your money into a four hundred one k or an IRA, then you're then you might get a credit on your tax return for doing so. Um, it's a little incentive for people who maybe don't make as much money in order to incentivize them to save. But the idea of having all that money kind of coming out automatically is a great thing because then uh, a lot of times, especially if your savings account is in a different, um, and I'm using the term savings account, but if it's it, whatever account you're saving into is in a different place other than your checking account, and it's a little more, I'll say, difficult to go in and look to see how much money's in there, a lot of times you, you put money in there, but then you forget that it's even there. Elizabeth Buffardi, founder of Crescendo Financial Planners and co-chair of the Personal Financial Planning Forum for the Illinois CPA Society, based in Oak Brook. Thank you for joining us today. Join us at this time tomorrow for Technology Thursday. And still to come, AI gives a boost to cancer detection. Lunch money for all generations. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Artificial intelligence-supported mammogram screening is yielding effective results. We're joined by Matt Wren, founder and tech expert of VRAR in Chicago. Matt, thank you for joining us today. This AI-supported mammogram screening increases breast cancer detection by 20%. Now, Matt, this is an isolated study, but what does this mean for AI in medicine, how it can improve outcomes and help doctors? Hey, Rob, thanks for having me back. Um, You know, AI, let's talk a little bit specifically about this use case, about cancer detection. Um, radiologists are looking for patterns within a pattern, which is very difficult to, you know, humans have to be trained for years and years to do this. And with AI, you can train these algorithms against millions and millions of images in a very short time frame. So they can basically be trained to detect, you know, the little anomalies within a pattern that essentially indicate cancers. So this isolated study about breast cancer, you know, that okay, that's speaking specifically to breast cancer, but there have been previous studies as well on things like prostate cancer, on things like lung cancer, on things like brain cancer. So, you know, these tools are here. They are working. They are definitely something that radiologists can use, uh, which will hopefully help improve outcomes for patients. And one other uh, uh, benef- benefit, according to this study, is that it uh, reduces the workload for radiologists, it allows them to uh, screen more patients. Exactly. Um, I think this one specifically was talking about European. Uh, I was done in, in England where the way that they do it is effectively two radiologists look at every image and they kind of, you know, cross um, confirm whether or not they, they see something. 
And when they did the AI study, the AI was looking, you know, acting kind of as the first radiologist, and they had a radiologist confirming what the AI saw. But yes, again, when you're using AI to do this, it can move through these images much, much faster than a human can, just because, again, it's, it's computer algorithm, so it can effectively look at the data and process it much faster than a human can. We're talking to Matt Wren, founder and tech expert of VRAR in Chicago. Uh, this study shows the promise of uh, AI, uh, AI in, in future applications in medicine, but uh, what is the what is the status of AI in medicine right now? What are doctors relying on? Uh, so I'll go back to a study I remember seeing. So as of 2020, which is several years ago, frankly, uh, I want to say there were like 60 or 65 approved AI tools and algorithms for things like cancer screening already. So that was three years ago. I'm sure there's been much more that has been done since then. So, you know, this is in use today. It's, it's definitely, you know, we, we're talking about it right now for cancer screening. I've, I remember seeing a study that it was being used for classifying the different types of lung cancer. So essentially, even after the cancer was found, now they have to classify the different types. Uh, you're seeing it being applied to what could potentially be the best treatment based on the type that's being detected and any possible mutations. So there, there's a lot of ways that the AI can be applied, and I'm sure is being applied today. There's frankly so many studies right now, it's almost hard to keep up with them uh, as new ones are coming out very regularly. Matt Wren, founder and tech expert of VRAR in Chicago. Thank you for joining us today. If you missed any part of today's show, just go to our stream. Skip back to the time you want. There's a pause and rewind function that works both online and with the Odyssey app. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.